for us, we were looking out and we had snow just coming down. It was like heaven coming to earth. But every snowflake is totally different. It's like our fingerprints. It's all totally different. And so you start to look at these things and look at life and, and you start to realize that everything doesn't happen by chance. It is created. And I love how the creator of the universe would come to earth for you and I. Yeah, wow. Did you ever just stop and think about that? Like, I had plenty of time to think about it every time I stopped. I think probably every couple of hundred metres on the first day, I got to just sit down and have a break. I don't know whether it was by choice or just by divine intervention of God saying, hey, listen, you just need to stop there and just look at my wonderful creation. And so as I looked at the wonderful creation, I thank God for the blessing that he bestowed upon me that I didn't break a single bone in my body and just sat there and got my breath and thought, you're amazing. But it got me thinking that the creator of the universe cares about each and every one of us individually. You know, you look through the scriptures and you read the parables Jesus talks about the parables. He talks about the parable of the 99, that you would leave the 99 to go and seek what? The one. You read down further and you find the parable of the lost coin where there is a lost coin. She puts the coin and goes and finds the one coin until, and then celebrates. You know, Jesus celebrates the one. When one person comes to make a decision for God, all of heaven celebrates. Do you celebrate those decisions? Do you celebrate an encounter with the Most High God? And so I was sitting there, I got to think about it a whole heap. But then I find is that Jesus was never actually concerned about his personal reputation with engaging the one, with engaging the lost. I look at the woman with the issue of blood. You know, for 12 years she suffered with this issue of blood. She, she went to physicians. She went to try and get healing from the outside. But then all of a sudden she hears about this guy, this prophet, Jesus, that can do miracles. Yeah. That day she finds that Jesus is walking through town. She thinks to herself, you know, I don't even need to speak to him. He probably won't even look at me. If I can just touch The hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She had faith in her heart. The story says that they thronged around Jesus. That that, that must mean that they were really close. As that Jesus probably couldn't get through the crowd, they were banging up against him, but all of a sudden he stops and says to his disciples, who touched me? I don't know, but if you've ever been to Japan, their rail system is amazing. But I tell you what, they can cram those guys into those carts. (laughs) And so we caught a cart and a few people touched me. (laughs) You should see how many they fit into an elevator. I think that was Carl touching me. (laughs) But I was like, but all of a sudden Jesus is there, they're, they're up again and he says, who touched me? The disciples are like, can you see where we're at? Look at the amount of people. And you're asking who touched me? But all of a sudden, this 
lady, this woman that had suffered with this issue, puts her hand up. It was me. It was me. She stepped out. She touched. You know, God, he stopped to engage the one. He knew that there was faith. Yeah. He knew something had taken place and he, he stopped and engaged the one. Well, what about the time where Jesus is walking down the street, the multitudes are there, they're all around him and, and all of a sudden he stops. He looks up in a tree and there's Zacchaeus. Zach, he, he calls out, hey, Zach, you've got to realise this guy's a tax collector. No one wants... Who likes tax collectors? Show of hands. Anyway, but he was up in this tree. He's like, hey, listen, I'm coming to your place for lunch. All of a sudden, he he stopped. He knew. He he looked. He goes, you're the one right now. You read through the story. Jesus goes. People look at him and go, what is he doing? The religious leaders of the day are like, what's this Jesus doing? He's he's sitting. he's, He's having fun. He's at... He's at that sinner's house. That tax collector, the guy that skims off the top, he's having lunch with him. What is he doing right there? Jesus is engaging the one. At that moment, Jesus is engaging this guy, but all of a sudden, it revolutionizes his life. He gets up and he's like, you know what, Jesus, I've heard enough. I've encountered you. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and I'm going to pay back everyone that I've skimmed from. That day, salvation came to that house. I love how our Saviour engages the one. You know, he didn't even think about it twice. He was on mission. I think about the cross experience. He died on a cross that covered the multitudes, but was for the individual. It was for the one. It was for you and I, more than we could ever imagine. He meets us where we're at. Jesus heals the centurion's servant. Another time. People are like, what's he even doing talking to the centurion? He shouldn't be talking to the centurion. He's a Jew, he's a Gentile. Actually, what's the centurion even talking to Jesus for? That that centurion is, he commands legions. He works for the emperor. That centurion shouldn't even be asking Jesus for a request, but the centurion asks, hey, Jesus, just say the word and and my servant will be healed. Do we realise what just took place there? The religious leaders are probably thinking, what's going on here? The centurion only had one God, and that was Caesar. But all of a sudden, he comes to Jesus and says, listen, I know that you're a man under authority also. Just say the word. Jesus turns to him and goes, wow, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. How do you think that felt for the Christians? Or the religious leaders of the day, I would say. They'd be like, what? This guy's got more faith than me? Do you realize how many times I pray a day? Do you realise 
how much time I spend in the temple. And, and this guy who's a Gentile has more faith than me. Jesus turned the world upside down. But he was there to engage the individuals. He was always there to engage the ones. He was always on mission. You know, Jesus was despised for his actions of loving the unloved. Because back in those days, they thought that the only ones that were going to receive the kingdom were the Jews. No one else inherited the kingdom. But all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven is here and is for anyone who wants to partake. Really? Yep. And all of a sudden, he's hanging out with those that are unclean. He's hanging out with those. Why? Because he's on mission. Because he's here to bring heaven to earth. I believe it's the same for us today. We're here to bring heaven to earth. You know, he was despised for loving the unloved or were the unloved maybe just different? My first point today is this, is that Jesus was all inclusive. He was always inclusive, no matter who it was. He would stop and include those around him. I look at how long his disciples spent with him. Three years, he revolutionised the whole world. Do you realise that? Died on a cross and left it to the disciples. You know, you read through the book of Acts, they did a really good job. But God was always disciplining him, saying, hey, listen, lift your eyes, see bigger, see broader. You know, in Acts, he, he actually pulls Peter up. Peter's chilling out, he's having a sleep. And then all of a sudden, in a dream or a vision, a sheet is lifted down. And it's got animals all over it. And God says, hey, get up, Peter. Eat and kill. Kill and eat. And so he looks at the animals and he's like, God, these animals are forbidden by law. They're they're unclean. I, I can't eat those animals. Falls back asleep. Sheet's lowered again. Voice again, Peter, get up, kill and eat. Happens a third time. I don't know with Peter. It's always three times. He betrays Jesus three times. Uh, maybe he just thought it was his wife speaking. Yeah, I don't know. Take out the trash, love. Yes. Take out the trash. But here he is. It comes down again and... And all of a sudden, the voice, it's like, don't. Don't call, which I have cleansed, or I have set aside, or I have blessed. Don't, don't call it unclean. How many times can we do that to the things of God? Yeah, wow. Don't call that which I have set aside. Don't call that which is clean. Don't call that which I have blessed common. How many times can we let that commonness of the things of God creep into our life? And I think that too with individuals is that we should not be that way. And, and what was happening in this time is that he was saying to Peter, you know, 
Peter, you know, is on mission to save the world. He's on mission. He's fired up. He's declaring, you know, who God is. He's declaring heaven coming to earth to the Jewish world. But God's saying in this dream, in this vision, hey, listen, lift your eyes. I haven't come just for the Jew. I have come for the Gentile. I have come for all mankind. He's saying, get up. And all of a sudden, Peter has a knock on the door and he's invited to go to this, down to this place and share Jesus, the gospel, the kingdom of heaven, to these Gentiles. If you read down further in the book of Acts, the whole house is saved. Peter comes to this, revolu- uh, this, Peter comes to this revelation is that God shows no partiality. In other words... God is all-inclusive, not exclusive. You know, it's not an exclusive club, it's an inclusive club. It's a place where all mankind are welcome. Those that come with faith in their heart are welcome in the kingdom of God. How many times can we just narrow our mind, narrow our vision to those that we just get along with, to those that we just associate with, that maybe look like us, but without... In other words, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one actually ever thinks of changing themselves, changing our own mindset. Maybe God has something bigger for your life. Maybe God has something bigger than you ever dare dream of. Maybe God wants you to engage more people than you could ever think possible. But here he is. For many of us, for many Christians, unfortunately, have this perspective that Peter had, that salvation is only for a certain type of people. You know, when it comes to sharing the gospel, most associate it with helping the poor, mission strips, because they need him more. Or if it's closer to home, most churches tend to just turn into a social justice thing. But let me tell you, the gospel is for all people. Yeah, that's it. it is for the rich, it is for the poor. Yep. It is for all races. It is for everyone. And I pray that we never limit the gospel to our own perspective. Yeah, come on. That we take on the perspective of heaven so that we can be true to what God wants us to do. For what God wants us to do. And and let me tell you, those things are honourable. Those things are needed. But let it not be just our perspective. You know, for many of us in this room, we have friends that don't believe. If the opportunity came to share your faith or it arose, would you take it? Would you take it? There was never a day that went by where Jesus didn't concern himself with an individual. There was never a day go by. Never a day go by. And every individual was different. Every individual was different. We need to understand that we have an all-inclusive God, not an exclusive God. Not an exclusive God. God. The second thing is that Jesus always engaged the one. 
He always included the multitudes. He always showed no partiality. He was always inclusive. But he also engaged the individual. He engaged the one. No matter the gender, the age, the race, the creed, the social status, he would stop whatever he was doing just to engage the one. How many times do you stop yourself in the street and engage an individual? I love how God works. Sometimes he'll drop a name into my spirit. And it might be a name of someone that I met three or four years ago. It might be someone I know that lives over the other side of the world. It might be someone that I know that lives in another city, another country. But I tell you what, within, the first, within 12 hours, <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but I seem to come face to face with that person. You know, right there it gets my attention. Yeah. I go back and I'm like, okay, God, what did you want me to say? What, what is this about? Uh, it's like going out for milk. It's a joke in the family. Where'd you go, Sam? You got lost. Did you milk the cow? <laughs> Sometimes they're God moments yeah. where all of a sudden I'll be there and I'll be engaging some, and someone will engage me and go, oh, wow, I get to share a couple of, uh, about a year ago, I'm shopping at Westfield and I'm going through the cashier and, you know, I, I'm not looking like this. I've got my hat on. I, I'm, I'm undercover. Because <laughs> if you really know me, is I, I love going to Japan because I don't get to speak to anyone. Everyone's like, What? Well, you think about it. I can't understand them. They can't understand me. Perfect world. <laughs> awesome. It works fine. I go to Poland with Carolina. Um, the best three weeks of my life. I, because that's the type of... I, I'm like, if I don't have to, I won't. But I, I'm going through the checkout, and she's like, how you going, Sam? How you going? And I'm just hoping she's got the right name tag on. <laughs> and she goes, well, you don't remember me. I'm like, you're a little bit bigger now. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm pregnant. I didn't say that. She was pregnant. It was obvious. <laughs> just laugh. I didn't say that. I don't say those things. But here we were, and I'm like, I'm trying to work out, okay, do you come to Redcliffe? Because we'd just moved up here, and we'd just taken on the church. I'm trying to think, is she a member of Redcliffe? Does she come to Redcliffe? Has she? And, and she knows me. She knows everything. How's Carolina? How's this? How's that? I'm like... Great. It's all good. And I, then I find out, and then she's telling me a bit about her history and everything that's going on. And then I find out that she used to come to our youth ministry on the other side of town, and she actually lives all the way up Caboolture, more up there, and, I'm, and she's telling me, oh, yeah, yeah. But it was just a moment where I got to engage. Yeah. yeah, no, I haven't been going to church, I haven't been doing this. But sometimes we've just got to stop in those moments and engage. Stop in those moments and just go, okay, God has put me here. God, what would you want me to say? Yeah. How many times in our life do we miss those opportunities? 
It's like, yeah, I'm just going to Westfield Shopping Centre, you know. But then all of a sudden the spirit drops in and says, hey, no, I just need to divert. I've got to go through D-Bay. I live in North Lakes. What's going on, God? That's a bit far. You don't go through D-Bay to get to... Hmm. Or if you live in Margate and God says, hey, listen, I just want you to go through North Lakes. Yeah, but God, I'm going to the city. Yeah, yeah, but first I want you to go through... How many of us actually are in tune to God to listen to what he says? But then all of a sudden I I find that I I move and I, I do what he says and I'm like, ah. Anyone ever have those God moments like, ah. He puts himself in a place. This is what I find is that God, he always seeks the one. He always seeks the individual. He's always on track. He's always on mission. You know, in John chapter 4, we find the story of the woman at the well. And we've got this woman at the well where Jesus encounters her. You've got to realise, before the moment that Jesus encountered her, he is with John the Baptist and they're baptising people. And then all of a sudden the religious leaders are there and they're looking at Jesus and John and, and it becomes a competition. Oh, who's baptising more? Is it Jesus' disciples or is it John's disciples? And they start taking notes. And Jesus see what's, sees what's taking on, uh, happening in this place, and he's like, okay, listen, I'm out of here. He says to the disciples, hey, listen, I'll meet you in Galilee. I've just got to go through Samaria. Huh. The disciples are all there like, why are you going to go through Samaria? No one goes through Samaria. If anything, you go around. Do you realise that you, you, you don't do that? You just don't do that, Jesus. But he's like, no, no, I need to go through Samaria. I, I need to do it. You know, most Jews in Jesus' time, you know, despise the Samaritans. But even more... You know, they despised them even more than the Gentiles. It it was like you had the Jews, the Gentile, then the Samaritans. You know, because they were, religiously speaking, they they were like half-breeds when it came to the Israelites. And and so it was like this race thing. It's like, no, you don't even associate with them. But Jesus is like, no, no, I'm going through here. I need to do this. And so he leaves the disciples and he goes on ahead of them. And we find that he encounters this woman at the well. You know, he encounters her. He makes a deliberate beeline to the well. And he finds this woman. You know, he stops at the well at the six. So it's not even in the morning where most women come out and they draw from the well for their household. It's not in the evening where they draw again from their house. It's in the middle of the day. So because it's in the middle of the day, he's hot, he's thirsty, and he just sits at the well, and I believe he was just waiting for that time where this lady comes to the well. She comes and she dips her bucket in, but he he converses with her, he speaks to her, and asks her for a drink. Isn't it funny how before we receive from heaven, we give first? Even Jesus asks this lady, hey, listen, could I have a drink? Culturally, this moment should never have taken place. Jesus, for some, was classed as a rabbi. He was a prophet. He was, he was the son of God. He, he was there sitting and this woman was there. He was conversing with this woman. 
ask her for a drink. You've got to realize that she was a woman, she was a Samaritan, but even in his own day, a Jew would not be seen with a woman, even his wife, during the day. Glad times have changed. But they wouldn't even be seen talking during the day in the street. And so here he was again. You know, Jesus, he didn't even care about his reputation. People would have been looking at Look at him. Isn't that, Je- isn't that Jesus? Like, he sits with tax collectors. He parties at their house. He, he, he heals someone with the issue of blood because when you've got an issue of blood, you shouldn't even associate or even be near town. You should be out of town because you're unclean. He doesn't even care about his reputation. But he's sitting at the well speaking to this. Arrogant people are like, oh no. What's he doing? And he asks for a drink. And he puts his lips on her cup, a Samaritan's cup. That's unhurt. That's unclean. Why? But in this moment, we find that Jesus had to be there. He's all-inclusive. He's all-inclusive, but he engages the one. The act of the cross, all-inclusive, but it was for the individual. Here he is again, putting his reputation out there, putting it there. He shows no partiality as he engages the one. You know, Jesus engages the woman where she's at. I love God. Think about it. When did Jesus engage you? Did he engage you where he was at? Or did he engage you where you were at? I love how he engages each and every one of us where we're at. And when he engages us where we're at, it's all on an individual basis. It's all unique to our own circumstance. And he knows your circumstance. He knows your deepest desires. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He knows all that. And as you start to read through this scripture, as you start to look through in in John chapter 4, you find that Jesus starts to speak to her about her past. Starts to ask her questions. And it goes deep. And he says, you know what, you've answered truthfully. But then he goes on to explain. He goes, hey, listen, you've had five husbands. And now the guy that you're living with right now isn't even your husband. He goes there. He actually goes there. And she's like, wow, I perceive that you are a prophet. Wow, she acknowledges who he is. You know, Jesus draws the woman into a conversation, making her curious about the things of God, about who he is, and about what he can give her. You've given me a drink of water, but I tell you what, I can give you a drink. 
I can give you living water that will never run out. I can give you a spring of water that will spring from inside that will never run dry. You know, all those things that you've been desiring, all those places that you've tried to fill with different things, you know, if you come to me, if you drink of my water, that will satisfy you for eternity. And he goes on to minister to this woman. And as he engages her where she's at, she brings salvation to the region. She brings heaven to earth. She goes and shares and she says, hey, listen, I've met this guy. I've met this one. He is the Messiah. He is the one. He is the... And all of a sudden, salvation comes to the Samaritans through an unlikely source, through a woman. Let me just blow that up there for guys that don't believe in women ministry. There you go, the first evangelist. First evangelist women. women. Now, we've had a little theology on that. Let's move on. <laughs> but you find this time. She goes and she shares the gospel, the region's saved, and then all of a sudden the disciples are turning up going, okay, what's he done now? <laughs> what are they talking about now? What's happened? He engages the one. He shows no partiality as he engages the one. You know, the same thing today. If you don't know him, he seeks you. You know, and he wants to meet you where you're at. I know there's a lot of people in this room, but I guarantee you there are some people that don't know who God is. There are some people in this room that have never met Jesus. You've been longing, you've been thirsting for something, you've tried to fill it with other things in your life, but there is only one thing. Not thing. There is God, the only thing, that can fill that void. And as that woman came, she she had those things and she was searching, she was lost. She tried to fill it with those other things. She was ashamed of who she was. That's why she was there in the middle of the day. That's why she was drawing while no one else was around because she had shame upon her life. You might have walked in here with shame, but I tell you what, you can walk out free. You can walk out whole as you partake of the living water, as you partake of him. Ephesians 5, 1-2 says, watch what God does <laughs> and then you do it. I love this. Watch what God does, then you do it. When was the last time you shared the gospel? When was the last time you spoke into someone's life? When was the last time you put your reputation on the line? Like children who learn proper behaviour from their parents, Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not... What's that word? Sorry, I can't hear. Cautious. His love was not... Cautious. Right, okay. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like... How many of us are cautious when we love someone? The walls go up. We won't let them in. 
But God says, hey, love those. Love them, not cautiously, extravagantly. Love them recklessly. When was the last time you put your reputation on the line to engage the one? To engage those ones that people maybe don't speak to, that maybe aren't your type. extravagantly love those, bless those, pour out over those. This is what I love, (laughs) is that the greatest thing you could ever do is love someone that can never love in return. The greatest thing you could ever do is give to someone that you know could never give in return. That's the true measure of a human. That's the true measure of a man is how much you give without expecting anything in return. You know, Jesus, he he gave his life for you and I. It's our choice whether we choose living water or not. But he gave it anyway. He gave it while we were still sinners. Live like that. Well, they offended me. I'm not... No. No. Too many of us live in offence. And that offence blocks us from being all that we can be for God. Shows no partiality. Never concerned about his personal reputation. Jesus is never trying to get something from us. He's always trying to get something to us. Love like that. Love like that. <laughs> and that's what I find is when you start to love like that, people go, what do you want? Ever had that happen? It's like, here, I just pay for your coffee. What do you want? I just want to bless you. What do you want? You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. It's like opening the door for someone at the bank. A few years ago, I got to open the door for this lady. She was just behind me, so I opened the door to let her in. She's like, I can open my own door, thank you. (laughs) Well, let this one hit you on the way. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) Just an insight into how I think sometimes. Anyway, but it's about what God thinks. You know, we are called to engage those around us just as Christ Engage those around him. He engages the individual. But then the thing that I love is that he brings life. He brings life. This woman is there. He brings life. He offers her eternal life. You know, the sick were healed. The blind could see. The deaf could hear. The demon possessed was set free. Sinners were forgiven. Jesus brought life naturally and spiritually to all those who had faith. To all those who had faith. He brought life to them. We get to do that today. To share the gospel of the kingdom. To share eternal life to those who believe. My question is, who are you sharing that with today? Who are you sharing Christ with today? Who are you sharing his love with today? 
Who are you encouraging? Who are you believing for? Who are you praying for? Who are you engaging? Who are you including in your world? Because for some of us, maybe you know we don't have to sit down and say the sinner's prayer with them, but you know, maybe if we just included them in our world that they would see Jesus. I love what Jesus did at the well is that he included her, he came, he sat, he met where she was at. And the conversation led to eternal life. What would happen if you just invited enough people in to your world with the conversation turning to Jesus? That recklessly we would open our heart a little bit. Recklessly we would just open our heart to the heart of God's. We would step up and step out to see heaven come to earth on individual lives for those that we're believing for. Today, my challenge for each and every one of us, and, and when I say my challenge, it's my challenge, is that I would be all inclusive, that I would engage the individuals that God puts in my path, and engaging that I would share life. I would share the rivers, the satisfaction, the wholeness, the abundance that Christ brings. Will you do that for those around you today? If we just bow our heads, close our eyes. And, and today, I don't know where you all stand with God. I know that there are a lot of believers in this house, ones that walk with God, talk with God. They've found wholeness with God. And today you might have walked in off the street.